the stars are others sun we've traveled this way before and there is much to be learned talkradio.nyc Encore broadcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Now for the live shows. Professional serving community. Talkradio.nyc Hello and welcome to the Dismantle Racism Show, where our goal is to eradicate, dismantle, and to uncover racism because we really do want to create a world where racial equity is the norm. I am your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. I want to thank you so much for joining me for today's show. If you have been inspired, encouraged, or simply you just love the show, I want to invite you to please, please subscribe to the show on your favorite platform, share the show on social media, share it with your friends, tell others about the show and encourage them to subscribe to the show. Again, the purpose of the show is to really um, uncover racism and to really help us to understand racism is history in this country and what we can do about it. And the more people who are in tune with what our guests have to offer, the more people who will be able to help us to dismantle racism. After all, what you do matters. And each person contributing to this charge, to this challenge, to this journey of dismantling racism we will be able to create a world where justice prevails. So please make sure that you subscribe. I also want to invite you to visit my website, sacredintelligence.com and learn more about the work that I do while you're there. Please be sure to download your free copy of Take a Breath. The download is really there to help you to get through how to have those difficult conversations about race, how to maintain your emotional stability and to really breathe through it as you're having the conversations. I also want to invite you, if you've not done so, to please purchase a copy of Dismantling Racism, Healing Separation, from the inside out. And if you've already purchased a copy of that, please go to Amazon, leave a review and let us know what you think about the book and then also share it with other folks. Now I wanna invite us into a time of meditation, 
as I do every week. And as I've shared with you before, the reasons why we take some time to meditate is because we want to ground ourselves. So we want to ground ourselves for the conversation that we're having today, but I'm really modeling for you how to ground yourself for the conversations that you have, whether they are with friends, family, colleague, or even if you are trying to encourage yourself to engage in the work of dismantling racism. I know that this work creates a lot of angst for folks. Simply mentioning the word race causes a lot of people to get upset and tension builds up inside of them. And it doesn't have to. There are ways in which we can address the racial inequities. There are ways in which we can engage in the dialogue that will help us to move forward without feeling so angry and upset and living in fear and grounding ourselves is one of the ways in which we do it. So that's why you hear me focus on the meditation. That's why you hear me talk about going inward because it is important for us to connect with our sacred selves, to connect with the best in who we are. So if you would, I invite you simply to just close your eyes and plant your feet on the floor or the ground so that you can feel supported and connected by foundation. And just simply begin to breathe in and out. Connecting with your greater source, your sacred source, your divine wisdom, your divine intelligence, and really understanding that you are not separate from that source. All that you need is inside of you. You were born with it. You were gifted with it. So just breathe in and let that settle in your mind and in your presence. You are loved unconditionally. And within you is a fountain of love that's ready to be poured out. So just breathe in and accept that unconditional love. And know that you don't have to live in a place of fear or scarcity. When we live in those places, that's what keeps us in competition. That's what creates othering. So breathe in and out and rise above those feelings and just bask in love. Swim in the pool of love that is ever present with you. Just breathe in and out. Breathe in and out. Fully embracing that love that removes fear, doubt, shame, guilt. And it simply propels you forward.
So just rest in that place for a moment. Connecting with who you are. Connecting with whose you are. And receiving the gift of love. And receiving the gift that has been poured into you. Knowing that you are in the right place. The right time. The right body. The right gender. The right socioeconomic status. You're the right age. Wherever you are right now, now is the time for you to fully embrace who you are and use those gifts to manifest your greatness and the greatness of others. Take a deep breath in, recognizing that what you do matters. And recognizing that the power of one contributes to the power of many. So as you breathe in and exhale slowly, we end with these words. And so it is, Ashe and Amen. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. That always helps me to feel really good and present as well for the show that we're going to have today. And I want to just remind you, as I have before, if you would love to experience those meditations on a daily basis, you can actually go to your favorite platform. You can go to iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Google Play, wherever it is that you get your music and download those meditations. The meditations are based on the book, but of course I've extended what I wrote in the book, but it's there really to help you, to encourage you, to strengthen you as you're going through this sacred intelligence journey of faith to dismantle racism. And it is indeed a faith journey because you have to believe that it is possible in order for you to know that we can dismantle racism. We can't go into it half-heartedly. But today on the show, I want to talk about music. And I want to talk about how music has been used as songs of protest. But my guest today is going to do more than talk about music. My guest today really will talk about his involvement in songs of protest. But we'll also talk about how he helped to galvanize clergy and others to lead protests. But before we get to that, Dr. King is quoted as saying, freedom songs serve to give unity to a movement. Jimi Hendrix, in fact, uh, is quoted to have said, if there is something to be changed in this world, then it can only change through music. And then, of course, Stevie Wonder said that music is a world within itself with a language we can all understand. 
with an equal opportunity for all to sing and dance and clap their hands. It's an equal opportunist because we all can get involved and we all can feel music deeply from our souls, deeply from our spirits. And sometimes music is the thing that will uplift us and that will encourage us. And it is important for us to connect with that which feeds our souls. So during the civil rights movement, and even before the civil rights movement, we always had musicians to come and to soothe our souls. We had the jazz sounds of John Coltrane, Nina Simone, Louis Armstrong. What about Sam Cooke? One of my favorite songs is A Change Is Going To Come. And we can't get past the civil rights movement without really loving the deep sounds of Bernice Johnson Regan and Sweet Honey and The Rock. And did you know that Coretta Scott King actually gave freedom concerts as a fundraiser for the civil rights movement? A lot of people don't know that. She was trained to um, as a musician, trained as a concert or a soloist. And so she used her talents to raise money for the civil rights movement. You've heard me talk about her before in January when we were talking about Dr. King. So what she did was significant and music is significant. So after we come back from the break, I'm going to introduce you to today's guest so that we can learn a little bit more about his process in leading protests. We can learn a little bit more about how music has helped to change his life and the lives of many others. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'll introduce you to today's guest. We'll be right back. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc.
You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. are back with the Dismantle Racism show, and I want to introduce you to my my guest today. It is the Reverend Osagifu Seku, and I am so, so delighted to have him with me today. He is an activist, theologian, author, documentary, filmmaker, blues, soul, gospel musician, player as well. He has helped to organize uh, clergy in places like Charlottesville, Virginia, Beirut, Lebanon, New Orleans, um, Louisiana, Ferguson, Missouri. He has helped to train tens of thousands of clergy folks. And he really is a, rena- a renowned, renowned, renowned musician. And so uh, he has been said uh, by NPR's Bob Bullion. He testified that Reverend Seku has delivered the most rousing tiny desk performance. And that is saying a lot for those of you who listen to Tiny Desk. One of the things that he says is that when people see him in concert, that he prays, they come away feeling a little bit freer. His concerts and songs of freedom has been described as one part protest rally, one part Pentecostal tent rival and one part late night juke jock. I love, love, love that. And having listened to the Tiny Desk performance, I can definitely say that that is the case. And so Reverend Seku, I want to welcome you to the show. And I just want to tell my audience, it is amazing that you have, uh, I'm honored that you would be here because I know you just got off of a plane and you're just getting yourself settled. So good morning and welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. It's such an honor uh, to be here with you. Uh, any friend of Carlton is a friend of mine. Well, I am delighted to to know you through Carlton and I want to, there's some things that I just want to get started with. I just really want to mm-hmm. have a conversation with you. Um, mm-hmm. So many things I want to ask you about, but I know that you come from a tiny town mm-hmm. and you described it as 11 houses with 35 people. I think I heard you describe it yes. as, yes. and I wonder, did you ever see yourself doing the work that you're doing, traveling all mm-hmm. over the world? Uh, it, it, does that seem like it was a lifetime ago that you lived in that tiny little town? No, uh, it, at, at one level, yes. And then at one level, no. Uh, you know, part of, you know, my life's work uh, has been uh, to share with the world uh, the deep abiding love that I grew up with. Like, mm-hmm. So my grandmother got me when she was 60, 55 years old. I was mm-hmm. six months old. Mm-hmm. My father saved me uh, from a life that might have been too terrible to tell. And um, so he took me from my mother, took me to the woman who raised me, 
And the woman who raised him, Houston Cannon, was not his biological mother. Mm-hmm. His mother died from childbirth of his of him. And my the woman Houston Cannon that I call Mama, my grandmother, uh, she uh, raised him uh, and his siblings uh, uh, bore more children. And then my father took me to her uh, in 1971. And I am was so loved, like mm-hmm. so loved, so cared for. I'm not saying my family didn't have contradiction and there wasn't alcoholism and there wasn't abuse and there wasn't all the things that, you know, impact the human condition, right? Black people are not unique in their suffering. Mm-hmm. In, in that sense of what it means to wrestle with meaning and death, dread and despair and try to overcome circumstances, not at our choosing our suffering uh, uh, as political creatures, of course, as you mean, uh, in the context of the United States. But I, I was loved so deeply. And so, and I was always, you know, one of the uh, gifts that I experienced is that I was so encouraged. So anything I did, I remember building some little house, you know, like a little piece of house I put together with a couple some nails and a few pieces of firewood. And they said, that boy going to be an architect. <laughs> uh, and so every, I was so loved and so celebrated. And so uh, Zen is very, like in terms of living there and that kind of thing. Of course, uh, I go back. I, the last time I was there, uh, it was last summer. Or summer 21. I was last time I was there. Um, and so it was a place where I loved, uh, I was loved deeply and cared for. And, and that's still very much present with me. Mm. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. The memories and my music is there. Like my record label is called Zen Art. It's called Zen Records. It's where I'm from. Um, uh, my sonic landscape. Anytime I'm on stage, uh, I'm trying to recapture uh, the sonic memories I have as a child mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and particularly in my work, like say with kind of diff- the disenfranchised or the disenfranchised, like queer babies and trans mm-hmm. 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 who have not experienced the kind of love that I experienced growing up from family and in community and to church. I try to re uh, uh, redistribute that. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, 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 in my relationship with young people, uh, you know, particularly as a pastor. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really interesting, you know, that you're talking about this place of love because mm-hmm. when we are bathed in that love, and my meditation prior to you coming mm-hmm. on is really about this pool of love. Mm-hmm. When you have been bathed in that, you have so much more of it to pour out into the world because you understand what it mm-hmm. means to be loved. And mm-hmm. sometimes we don't get that love from our biological families, mm-hmm. but when you can rest in that place, particularly with the sacred and, mm-hmm. and just receive that love is more to pour out. But I want to talk to you now, your music, and, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about how your music is, 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 is about protest and freedom. And I want to talk about that more, but your music really is, um, a remembrance and an honoring of you growing up. Because when you first start out in some of your songs, you can hear that Pentecostal for sure. You can hear mm-hmm. the word for sure coming out. And then it goes a little bluesy and it goes a little rocky to me sometimes. So talk to me a little bit about 
how you fell into this passion for your music and then how did that then go into songs of protest? Well, you know, you know, black, uh, black religion begins with the revolutionary notion that black people are human. That's a revolutionary notion inside the American empire. So, you know, so where's the range of, you know, where's a range of theological or political orientations in that in, in that religious practices, whether it be the nation Islam, the Black, mm-hmm. the Church of God in Christ, National Baptist mm-hmm. Convention, another. It begins with the assumption that Black people are human and are worthy of dignity. Mm-hmm. So that at one level, there's a latent protest in being Black, right, in terms of the context of the U.S. Might look different in the Caribbean, might look different where they're predominantly Black uh, populations. And so one, two, um, I like, so for me, for me, there is no delineation. So, right. My first black history programs were in church. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, the first places that I did public speaking church, uh, exactly. the place where humanity was honored and lifted up. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I never like, the distinction was always a false distinction for me, mm-hmm. to me, mm-hmm. in terms of like just how I, I I thought about church life. Now it was intrinsic, um, not necessarily that people were up giving you know profound, fiery military mil- militant speeches, uh, sermons, but I knew in the uh, uh, both in the subtext and in the performance of the and of the sermon and the way people move with dignity. Yes. Right. Yes. So Mr. Mr. Hancock, who was our head deacon, right? Um, you know, wore starched overalls with some knobs and mm-hmm. crisp white shirt, and mm-hmm. they were dignified. And it's not the same as a respectability politics. That's not what I mean mm-hmm. in terms of how it's defined, uh, been defined in the last decade. But what for me, what is powerful is the way in which those folks performed and lived and so that was that and then I had a cousin who was one of the founders of the uh, Arkansas chapter the student nonviolent coordinating committee you know I read books that kind of thing but at the core of it was being twice as good and twice as smart right that's what was communicated of to me of course always right. always right right, right. Yeah. so that's that's what was communicated to me at 52 right as a, somebody born in 1971 Mm-hmm. And so I carry all of that. I've been wearing suits since I was four years old, right? They're, these are, I'm far more comfortable in one. So that, I think to all of that, and then uh, you have to think, I, I I was, the hip hop that I grew up on, it's very different than what young people have access to. Like mm-hmm. in terms of, they have more outlets, less variety. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, um, I, Grew up in hip hop, you know. You remember, you remember in the late, early eighties. I mean, late eight, late eighties, early nineties. Malcolm's movies coming out. Yeah. You got the poor righteous right. teachers. You got uh, X Clan, right? Daylight. You got all of that music, right? That's part of the culture. Where being conscious is cool, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. never really left me. Right. And then I went to a historically black college on a vocal performance scholarship. Right. So I sang at Knoxville College mm-hmm. right, at, a, at a political science, at a historically black college where my dignity was affirmed and all of that. And so I think all of that was always there. 
I became, I didn't become, even though I'm a classically trained vocalist, you know, I had sang in about five foreign languages by the time I was seven or eight years old. Uh, I became a professional musician at 45. And basically it's because of Ferguson. And after the Ferguson uprising, I had the blues. And the only way I could get it out was to sing. Mm, so you, well, that's amazing. So it really, mm. in seven years, Seven yes. years, you've seen your life just almost do a, 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 a complete turnaround because you had this mm-hmm. music and this gift inside of you, but mm-hmm. you weren't using it for protest and racial mm-hmm. equity. You were doing that in other ways. Was it, was it, I know we have to take a quick break. So mm-hmm. uh, when we come back, I'm wondering, uh, I know that you're clergy. So were you doing the clergy work and then uh, found a way to weave this in? So mm-hmm. hold your thought. Just okay. and I okay. want to want to hear about how all of this unfolded um, as well. We'll be right back. I'm so uh, excited to come back and talk to Reverend Sekou about his journey. This is the Dismantle Racism Show. I'm your host, the Reverend Doctor TLC. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. We are back with the Dismantle Racism Show, and my guest today is Reverend Sekou. And before the break, we were talking just a bit about um, his his uh, music and how it's been used for protest. And Reverend Sekou, I just want to say seven years is a very short time to mm-hmm. have really risen to some of the fame that you have. Mm-hmm. around music and uh, protests. So talk to me a little bit about that and how how Ferguson 
you mm-hmm. know, you started to say it, it was what inspired you. So how mm-hmm. did you take that over to the next level rather than just singing the blues to yourself and at church mm-hmm. took it further? Well, I think, you know, whatever visibility I have, which is fleeting, right? Um, you know, you know, began in movement context. Uh, and so, you know, I had lectured around the country uh, and around the world, uh, you know, before Ferguson. And I published two books uh, before Ferguson. And so I had some, whatever that means, some people knew me. Um, and then... Um, uh, as the Ferguson uprising was happening, um, I would get called to give speeches a lot. And I was just at that point, I had written a, a, a J. Marie Hill and I uh, had written about seven songs in six days and did a show like on the 11th day at a small coffee house in um, Oakland. And so we wrote the record. Uh, and then as I was getting calls to come give talks, we would, I would be like, nah, I'll come sing. I don't want to, because I actually found it more healing for me. Yes. Uh, uh, all right. Because I get something of pouring back into me. I'm physically tired, but I'm yet full, you know? And so, um, so that kind of happened. I, um, and then what actually, um, I'd kind of done some small things. I'd gotten a record deal through 30 Tigers after the second record and I uh, went solo. And we, um, uh, Tony, I wind up doing a tiny disc uh, and I had a, a manager who uh, kind of worked some magic and I wound up getting a tiny disc. And that transformed me in public life, right? From being an activist who sings. So like, oh, he's like a legit musician. Right. Right. And that has to do with I have great a great band. Mm-hmm. I have like the band you saw, the Seal Breakers out of Brooklyn, and then my touring band now, the Freedom Fighters. We've been together for about uh going on six years. Mm-hmm. And we've toured the world. We played the Czech Republic, Switzerland, all over the UK. Um and uh, um and so and all over the country and so I'm really blessed to uh, tour with them and they're just, uh, you know, good men and women that I love deeply and I'm honored uh, uh, to travel the world with them. So Reverend Sekou, you're you're saying so many things in there that I think is really, really important for our Mm -hmm. listeners. And one of those things is the importance of us who are activists Mm. being fed while we're Mm -hmm. also giving. And you said the music helped to feed you and Mm helped to fuel you. Because I think people don't stop to think about how much it cost you Mm -hmm. to perform, to give Mm -hmm. a speech, to talk. They just know that they want you because Mm -hmm. of what you bring. And so it's important for our listeners to know that they have to also continue to refuel themselves. And Mm -hmm. then I think the second thing that you're saying is that when you show up fully, mm-hmm. God, universe, sacred, however people mm-hmm. want to define it, will bring those people along who will be your um, your supporters, mm-hmm. who will be the ones who will be at your back, who are helping to lift you up, and who will walk along beside you because your band is awesome, mm-hmm. right? 
And so sometimes people don't do the work of dismantling racism because they think, how am I going to do this? This is too overwhelming for me to do this. Mm -hmm. I can't do it by myself. But I hear you say, not without some work Mm -hmm. and some magic Mm -hmm. and all that Mm -hmm. stuff that you said, but you have people showing up that you didn't have before Mm -hmm. who Mm -hmm. were there. And so so talk to me a little bit because I know our time will go really quickly. Um, Talk to me a little bit about how you organize clergy and other folks to do this work. You know, I... I think I get a lot more credit than I am due as a clergy organizer, in part because clergy are just bad organizers. We're used to people sitting down and listening to us. Clergy are used to infrastructures. We got at least a clerk, a church clerk in our tradition, right? Right. There's a deacon board. There's an entire infrastructure that we actually usually walk into. And so, and we're used to people sitting down and listening to us. And that's just not this historical moment. Clergy don't mean what they meant 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so what I've always depended upon is the infrastructure of movement. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'll say to young organizers, so who going to organize the labor folk? Who going to organize the young people? Who going to organize the anarchists? I got the clergy. I'll get them there. Mm-hmm. Because I know the language, I'm part of the tradition, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I often, uh, I often begin uh, with the place that this is our sacred duty. It is in the text that yes. we're supposed. This is not some abstract. This is not no extra thing. This is central to the biblical narrative, right? Like for instance, my own beloved denomination, though I'm not serving it, the Church of God in Christ. Now, the Church of God in Christ, the, the second sentence of our Constitution is a, a conscientious objective sentence. No mm-hmm. member of God in Christ is supposed to go to war. T.H. Mason arrested in 1917 for opposing World War One. Wow. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I try to remind people of that. And then um, uh, um, um, I always uh, make sure clergy are in conversation with young people. So a lot of times what I feel is though my work is I'm a bridge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm my I'm old rickety bridge now that needs her. <laughs> but never nonetheless, I'm a bridge. You know, you cross it at your own risk. Yes. That, uh, but uh, I see much of, I've seen much of my work as a bridge. And then at this stage in my career, right, as a, you know, as you know, I pastor a wonderful multiracial co- congregation alongside uh, my distinguished colleague, Dr. DeAnza Spaulding, um, in which is, is multiracial, right? So what does a multiracial congregation with Black and Brown leadership mm-hmm. that has as its base a Black musical sonic landscape? Because you know I'm going to hire some oily musicians. I'm going to hire some oily musicians. Right with a black sonic landscape who was trying to make some sense of the world and get filled spiritually. Right. And so for me, all of that still is me trying to get back home. I want the Asian folk and the queer folk who show up and the white folk who show up my church on Sunday morning, at least dip their toe in the deep elegance and theological sophistication of the black tradition in order that they might get a little freer. That's so, right, 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 right. Because because one of the things uh, my dear mentor, uh, uh, Ruby Sells, reminds us that white supremacy 
is uh, does spiritual damage to white people. That's right. That's exactly right. Oh, right, right. And so part of our work is part of their work and social movements is for them to get free. Exactly. Bro, you, you, know right, what? You, you know, you're about to make me shout over here. Uh-huh. I agree with you. And I sometimes think about how bound people are because mm-hmm. they can't feel that spirit moving mm-hmm. inside of them. And the music actually helps you to feel that and to be able to, to mm-hmm. express it, you know, mm-hmm. um, especially I'm Presbyterian. So I've been mm-hmm. in very stoic. Uh, the, cho- the, the chosen, the frozen chosen. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what what they call some Presbyterians for sure. And so, um, for me, when people can be in a service where they can experience what the ancestors experienced, there's a freedom that yeah. comes with that. You're you're already breaking outside of a box. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. to let that feel. Now, listen. I have to ask you about this because. You talk about it, my and our our mutual friend, the Reverend uh, Carlton Smith, talked about mm. Charlottesville mm-hmm. and being. I've heard his story mm-hmm. being at that church on the night of of protest when you all mm. were going to leave that church. Mm. Once you were going to leave, there were all of these white nationalists outside mm-hmm. of the church. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about that moment and what that felt like for you as clergy, what it felt like for you as a black man, as a human. Mm -hmm. And then I also know, because one of your songs is about Mm -hmm. Heather Ayer and you Mm -hmm. mentioned seeing her take her last breath. Can you take us back to that moment? You know, I think the first thing is I have to, I begin with, right, how I was trained as a clergy person. So not as in seminary, but how at 10 years old, going with my grandfather to do funerals or how he, and so one of the things he would say to me is, boy, you can't bleed on the people. Mm. Uh, And so it was like, you got to figure out what to do with it. And the way he dealt with it was Jack Daniels. Uh, But, uh, um, and so in the church, I am, my first instinct is to protect my people. Mm-hmm. And so, because the police had left us. Hmm. Uh, they, they said, we can't, we can't provide security for you. They Isn't left. that something? Isn't that something? I think that, that people need to and hear. Then, but did not go confront the Nazis. The Nazis beating children. Mm. And so... I, my feeling is like, because we had a whole kind of secu- uh, internal security infrastructure. So I'm talking to folks. We're walking, watching the building. We did a, we just stayed in the building and we sang songs. And one of the things we did was, um, uh, uh, so that that was just that we got through the night, and then you know we uh, go and do. Um, the march uh, and sing and try to block the entrance uh, to the park that the Nazis are marching to. We would have been beaten to death if it wasn't for Antifa. Antifa saved our lives mm-hmm. uh, because the police were standing there watching them about to attack us. Mm-hmm. The police. Did you feel? Now- did you feel- I have made. You know, I, we have. I had made my. I've made my peace with death. Like if I'm gonna go out there, mm-hmm. you know. That's just kind of like it, but the other, and we made people kind of sign these things. The other piece is that 
like I said, other doc, I have been loved so much. Right. In addition to as a childhood, the deep friends that I have and the deep relationships I have. If if I would have died that day, I would have been at peace in the sense of that. I've had a good time and God's been good to this whole country boy. Mm. And so I'd make peace with that. And then anyway, we go out to the, we hear that there's been a a cars run through the crowd. We run down uh, about a half mile down. And I see anarchists uh, who are the medics pumping her chest. Um, And yeah, it was all surreal. It was like, I, I didn't have time because before the ambulances got there, police showed up in MRATs, those kind of militarized tanks, yes. so it's, and and a whole flank of them. And so young people are getting, like, uh, they're about, they're, it's going to be a full-on riot, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, so my first instinct is I see people, you know, we tend to know who we contend to. And so I see the captain, I see a white shirt. Mm-hmm. And so I walked right up to him and I was like, you got to get this, you're going to have to get them out of here or they're going to tear this place down. Yeah. Right. They're going to burn this place down. If you, they're going to burn this whole city if you don't move them. So they moved the police back so we could get the ambulance, the ambulances in or whatever. And so, you know, and I probably haven't fully processed uh, Charlottesville, right? Because you got to think, I lived there for six weeks. Mm-hmm. And for six weeks, this was the fourth of racist marches. Yeah. The Klan, the Proud Boys, and a local uh, not neo-Nazi organization. So that was the fourth one. So that was that heat in that summer. Mm. And so I probably fully haven't processed it. But what has been gift, uh, uh, and I, I suspect it has been processed through like going, when I was living in Memphis, going to Gina Stewart's church. Yes. Uh, right. I think uh, who's my pastor uh, I think it get processed for me in Sunday morning and being in the community that I'm in. Uh, but I, I, but but on Tuesday, I'm a, when I see my therapist, I'm a, I'm gonna bring it up to you. You might need to process that a little bit. You know, we do have to take a quick break, and I can tell okay. you, Gina Stewart knocked me to my my feet one day. Now, I I don't believe in sometimes all that speaking in tongue and uh-huh. out. Mm. But I will tell you, and I will say this publicly, she spoke a word in my ear and I was boom on the floor before I did. It it was something. And a preaching machine. (laughs) So I I don't know. I don't know what Gina got, but she she broke this Presbyterian down. Well, actually, Uh it was God breaking this Presbyterian Mm. down saying, see, I got something for you, but that's a that's another story for another mm. day. We have to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to wrap up with mm. Reverend Seku. This is the Dismantle Racism Show. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody! It's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from my attic. Each week here on TalkRadio.NYC, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on TalkRadio.NYC. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? 
I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. are back to wrap up our time with Reverend Sekou. And I just want to say a part of what I have really enjoyed about this conversation is the profound way in which our ancestors have been honored. And we've been able to see that really it's the training that I, I know I'm identifying with you because Carlton and I both grew up in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And I know the training that I got from church. And I know the ways in which the people I was surrounded by, there was, like you said, a dignity about Mm -hmm. them. And they were teaching us, sometimes not even with words, but just Mm -hmm. ways in which they handled themselves Mm -hmm. in a Mm -hmm. racist society. So I think the fact that we are activists is Mm -hmm. because they were being activists even when Mm -hmm. they weren't necessarily Mm -hmm out there. Mm-hmm. So I want to just thank you for mm-hmm. really highlighting the importance of our upbringing, because mm-hmm. it also tells us what we need to leave for mm-hmm. the people who are coming yes. behind us. And it's also important because the young people, no matter their color, they need to know our history. They mm-hmm. need to know how we survive. One of the things that um, my sister, one of my sisters says is that the reason why she believes that people fall apart sometimes, these young people sometimes fall mm. apart over small things is because they don't know how we got through the bigger things mm. and we haven't had to. But mm. before we wrap up, I just want to ask you, what would you like to leave us with? Are there any final thoughts in the last couple of minutes mm. of the show mm. that you'd like to share with us? Well, I mean, one that we know we are in a deeply fascist moment in the United States. Uh, we, um, we saw it manifest in Charlottesville in uh, August 12, 19, I mean, 2017, and we haven't seen it go down. In fact, a, an alert went out to all uh, the Jewish synagogues in the country yes, that there's going to be white supremacist activity on February. 25th and so people need to be concerned about it I um so I think we live in a fascist moment and that so so just acknowledging that so in a fascist moment black success 
does not mean community progress. It's never meant that, but it means even less. So we may have more Black billionaires, but the masses of our people continue to suffer. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, I would say is what are the ways in which we are living out uh, anti-racism, anti-homophobia um, with joy? Mm. Like, what, what are the ways that we're pursuing joy? How are we uh, trying to build and be in community and being each other's lives in real ways, right? So, you know, oftentimes white folk come up to me, they tell me they've been to the anti-racism workshop where they teach how not to be racist for 45 minutes. <laughs> and I often say, well, that's nice, but do you, have you ever been to a black funeral? Mm. Meaning that somebody loves you enough that when they're putting their mama in the ground, Mm. They want you standing next to them. Mm. That's a different kind of relationship. Yes. So, right, right. So how how are we in and and how are we in deep, authentic relationships with people that are about loving folks? Mm-hmm. Um, that like, you know, who do we break bread with? Mm-hmm. Um, and so all of those kinds of questions are fundamental to me about this living in a fascist moment um, uh, that requires of us to, uh, you know, to pursue uh, joy in our struggle to make the world a little bit better. Um, Yeah. So Reverend Seku, I want to just make sure that our audience and the listeners will know how they can get some of your fabulous music. So Mm -hmm. tell us uh, some of the the names of your two books, if you would, Mm -hmm. and your your albums and where folks can find it. Or you could just, I guess, refer us to your website and folks can Mm -hmm. find it there. Uh, Yeah, uh, the books, my first book is called Urban Souls. It's a meditation on uh, religion and hip hop culture. Uh, based on my experience running a community center in St. Louis, Missouri. And then the second book is called God's Gaze and Guns. It's essays on religion and the future democracy that where I'm kind of talking through uh, the kind of big issues mm-hmm. of uh, particularly of election seasons, which is usually about God and gays and guns. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then the um, first album is called The Revolution Has Come. Uh, the second album is called In Times Like These. Mm-hmm. And the third album is called When We Fight, We Win, live in Memphis. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can get all of those on Spotify and all of that. Uh, and then I uh, pastor uh, Valley and Mountain uh, Fellowship in Seattle, Washington. So that's valleyandmountain.org. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And your website, your website is revensekou.com, right? Yep, R-E-V-S-E-K-O-U dot com, yes. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really important to visit that. Uh, they can see some of your videos there. I really do appreciate you, uh, particularly because I know you were taking an early flight to be somewhere and, and, you, mm-hmm. and you made it here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm so grateful for that and grateful for the conversation. But I also but- am grateful for the work that you're doing and the honoring of the calling. 
because I do believe that, you know, uh, as, as the Bible talks about, you know, before you were born in the womb, God, mm-hmm. God created you mm-hmm. to do the work. And so you have answered the call. I think our conversation this morning helps us to see that whatever our age is, mm-hmm. we must use the gifts that we've been given to mm-hmm. do the work, God's work, to do the work of humanity. Because this is what this is. Ultimately, mm-hmm. it's not about race at all. Indeed. It's about our own divinity. So I want to thank you so much for being mm-hmm. my guest today. It has been a privilege. I want to thank my listeners for joining me today and want to uh, remind you to please go to Reverend Sekou's, um website so that you can learn more about him and get involved in this fight for racial equity, social justice, Whatever it is that is on your heart to fight for, please make sure that you're doing that. And do stay tuned for the Conscious Consultant Hour with Sam Leibowitz, where he helps you to walk through life with the greatest of ease and joy. May today you tap into that sacred part of you that allows you to make choices that manifest the good in you and those around you. Know that we are all one and exist because of one another. Make it a priority to share love, hope, compassion, and peace today. Be well, be safe, be encouraged. Until next time, bye for now. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your conscious consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? 
Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 